Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fanboys. I'm here with the great Tomek Baginski. How are you today, Tomek? Hello, Steve. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm I'm good. Yes, it's uh, what's Thursday, May. Season is started. Um, outdoor season, track and field, and it's so much to talk talk about. It's almost like can we cover everything? Probably not, but that's okay. And so um yeah we're here for you and and f for each other and <laughs> that's first because we love love meeting and 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 chatting about yeah. track and field yeah i'm uh yeah i'm excited about this i'm excited about every episode this is you and me talking we always have fun hopefully other people are enjoying it which brings me to um my one and only ask i don't ask much but all i'm asking is if you like this um go to runnosis.com and subscribe to that newsletter. I write interesting things from time to time, put out a newsletter occasionally. And also it's where you'll get an immediate notice that this podcast has been um, uploaded. Additionally, we are offering a free service of just a local community, a community to talk about these kinds of things. So if you're interested in that, um, it's nascent, it's just getting started and uh, there might be some of you that like getting over there. We don't, um, Tomek posts a little bit more than I do because I post to the other one that I do with Jason since Jason doesn't post there. Um, but if you tag us, we will, if you tag us, we will come, right T? <laughs> That's right. And yes, Steve, um, your recent email post and also Instagram post on under Telos, right? You posting under Telos running? Yeah, I did on it. Instagram? I, I, yeah, I did. Um, I did that post under Telus Running because I'm playing with social media outreach and right. trying to determine um, a sustainable but impactful role with that. Um, because um, we've got plans for Telos and we've got plans for Run Gnosis and we've got plans for um, infiltrating the running world with love. Yes. And so I was I was starting saying that your your last newsletter was resonated with me very very much so and I, and I think with, with with probably with everyone because you know I've seen how people respond on 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 the space that you you're talking about the forum that we kind of you know have and it it was great and you know it was it was about the horse racing and and you know I was uh, recent derby. Um, probably everyone knows what, what happened there, but we can we can talk quickly about it. But anyway, I I, I watched that that race, especially the the, the bird view uh, camera, like probably twenty times, just over and over. I don't know what what, what was interesting so much, but but the way the the the, the back the, the the winner forgot his name um, was coming and 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 took it at the very end it was just 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 mesmerizing and just like. What does that mean? How did it happen? Like, w what is the space of mind of, of the person, right? He's surrounded by all those horses and then he comes to the, to the front and, and wins. So yeah, and then, and then in the post, it was not just about horse racing, but you, you started talking about your, your growing up and your soul, how you were, um, you know, <laughs> uh, how you found yourself in, in that horse race. And, and then Prefontaine was there and, and La Severe and then, and mine, it was just beautiful, yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm, uh, I don't, 
I'm working the writing game a little bit. I'm trying to have fun with it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a tribute to Rich Strike. But more than anything, I think it was a little bit more of a tribute to my younger self. Um, and I hesitated to post that because um, there's a savage sort of primal warrior vibe that's going on in that. But I think it's because Rich Strike pulled it out of me. Like when I, I've watched that video, both the full race and that bird's eye view multiple times. So anybody that's interested, just go to runnosis.com and the, the t article that's up there called Always Be Closing. It's the first one. I mean, you can read through it. There's some videos that we posted. I think that what I feel from that stretch run, that last quarter mile that we saw from um, Rich Strike, because I give it all, I give a few of those key positioning moments to the jockey. You know, Sonny Leon is the jockey. I gave, I give him his props, right? But it's the horse. That's all the horse. That horse finds the gaps, finds the places, gets on the rail, doesn't take the married man's route, which I loved. I read that, that, um, that term, which is the married man's route is the route that goes way around the outside of the field in order to get to the lead because a married man takes care. A married man doesn't put himself in the fray. A married man doesn't go on the inside and pass from the inside. And I just loved that term. I'd never heard it before, but I'm going to be using it from now on when we watch track and field races. Oh, he's taking the married man's route. He's not taking, he's not taking the married man's route. He's going on the inside so was so uh so anyway that there there's a sense of the primalness of what was going on like this horse knows what to do because it wants to win the race and where does that come from because this is not this is not normal natural things as we think of it right the kentucky derby for all intents and purposes is a fabricated created arena of people who've paid shit tons of money to watch this race and are and are also betting shit tons of money on the race but what comes through there is everybody's watching the money makers and yet chaos rushes through in rich strike and strikes it rich if you will take the pun and um <laughs> but i that pulled out of me this idea that i loved to, I, I felt like rich strike was taking the power from each horse and jockey he passed as if he was storing up energy and I felt it and so I just felt like I got to write about this I got to say something about this because I don't know how in the world I'll ever get it out there and if I had articulated in a conversation with a person um it might get lost and so I just said oh, I just have to try so anyway that was what that was and yeah I mean I think that the we watched a lot of really great races over the last two weeks I mean we're going to talk about the pen relays we're going to talk about sound runnings meet the, the sound running meet which had a lot of really really interesting races pen relays was off the chain this year with so many races i think they've got their social media game going hard um both flow track did it right and the whole environment for around pen relays was right i mean i must have watched 25 30 races and i can't even remember them all right i mean we're only going to talk about two or three probably but i can't remember all of them but each one of those that's the thing about pen relays it is it, it feels like the same thing that a horse race is. you got all these people. And I've been there, man. There are dudes up in there. There's Jamaican guys up in the stands. You know, they they love this sport. And they come and they watch and they exchange money. They it's, it's, it's a carnival. It's alive. It's electric. And it was the first time I'd seen it on camera to even possibly get the kind of feel for that. And that is what... I felt so to me, it was just a summing up of all of this. The best race of the last two to three weeks was definitely the Kentucky Derby and Rich Strikes 
um, win because to me, it just brought out of me all the things um, that are about this. And what is it about? What's racing about? At the end of the day, it's not about the money. It's about this primal urge to create and to win, but not to win because this is the thing I felt bad about was like winning means I'm going to cut people's heads off and shit down their throats, right? I'm taking their power. I'm taking their energy. I don't, I think that was the way I thought about it when I was a young man because a young man doesn't know any better. That's how you're supposed to, I think that's part of the developmental process. As an older person, I look at it and say, oh no, I was just vibing with, like I was just doing what my genes and DNA told me to do. And all these races we're going to be talking about, we're going to see some of that, right? Like we're going to see some of it, but Rich Strike was just the epitome of it, in my opinion. It was just, it was it was an epic race. If you haven't watched the 2022 Kentucky Derby, go to runnosis.com, click the link. You don't have to subscribe. We would love it if you did. If you do, you'll get access to a community. Everybody that subscribes, I'll put them in the community space. But it, in there, there's a two links to videos, and you can watch two videos, and, and um, it was just the best race of, so far, best race of the year for me. Wow. Yeah. So much. So, yeah. I love it. It's, 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 uh, the, the horse taught, teaches us how to, how to race, you know, which is, you know, you can say, look at this person, that person, but you was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not, but then, then there's horse and, and horse doesn't use mind much. It's just instincts and, and who, who the horse is, you know, or not the mind that we operate with, not, right. the, not the rational mind, the conceptual mind that we're using. I do right. think the horse has mind because otherwise right. it would just be like, well, you know, what, why do this? I mean, this, <laughs> I mean, it's not just this guy's beating me with this stick on my hinds. He would stop if he wanted to stop. This horse wants to do what this horse is doing. It is born and bred to do this thing. And I mean, we're talking the Olympic every year there's an Olympics and it consists of a, a world championship Olympics. It's people don't call the Kentucky Derby that, but in all of our consciousness, it is. And the magical things happen. It was, it was just magical and wonderful, which we can then segue to um, perhaps the least magical event over the weekend was watching, in my opinion, Jakob Engerbrexen just, shift one gear, leave the entirety of the field in the sound runnings 5K that we watched. Not that there's not magic there, but just the way that Jakob dispatched that group of people it was just waiting and waiting and waiting and it happened. And he runs 13.02, accelerates 54 seconds for his last quarter mile. Um, sort of like the opposite of the rich strike <laughs> race not that yeah, we it, love him yeah. but not that i'm diminishing him i'm just saying it was like less than that and what was going on behind Jakob to me was the super interesting stuff yeah but also you know it's it's a lot of um the instinct you know what what comes to mind is the, is the instinct of Jakob. so you can compare it to 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 the horse it's it's like you know i don't know if you heard the interview post-race interview Jakob's post-race interview when when he says, well, what, what was the what was the um, idea for this race? And you said, well, his brother Henrik, which is his coach now, said, you know, you can just run 13, 15, whatever the world 13, qualifying 13. standard yeah, is, 13, 13 and yeah. don't worry about anything. Just sit in the pack. They're going to pull you and, and, 
and such and he says like okay and he goes and he says like i can't just not win you know if i'm right there you know it's just like it's almost like against his you know idea it's like overpower right the idea of no i have to close hard i have to kick and you know win if i in that position so that that was just kind of so so interesting to 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 read and hear from him actually and and that interview in in general was just was just in in, in um, quite he's only like 21 but he was quite mature you know and he was he was asked about what about those guys behind you you know the, the young ones especially and he's just like you know they there i know but i don't really you know i focus on myself that was that was the thing he said you know I, I follow because, you know, you cannot follow if you're on a social media. But really, I he pretty much said, I, I, I know about them, but I'm not, my head doesn't go there. I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm where I, where I want to be, you know. Yeah. I create my own space and stuff. Yeah, I, I, you get that feel from him. And I also got the strong, I've been, you know, a lot of people are speculating how long will Jakob stay in the game. Right. And I got the vibe from that interview, what he's going to drop it whenever it's no longer serving him. And it could be as soon as this world championships, because he just stated, well, I couldn't not get ready for the world championships. Then he did state he'd like to break some records. Why not? I'm fit enough. I should be able to go break some records. So I think um, Chapter Guy's 5K record is definitely um, in jeopardy. Um, the the fifth the world record by um, Hisham Algarouche's 1,500-meter world record, I think, is definitely under threat. But here's the thing. it We're not entirely sure that it's going to be Jakob who breaks the 1,500-meter record because what I have saw this past weekend and what I'm excited about with Doha before we jump too far is this <laughs> yeah. Asbel Kipsang. Is that his name? Yep, yep. Oh, my God. He ran 331. 331 at the... Um, at the Kenyan World Kenyan National Championships, I think it was, and no, that was just the Keep Kano meet. Oh, the Keep Kano meet. It was running at thirty one hundred feet, like thirty one hundred meters or something, like like really high altitude. So five thousand feet. Yeah, five thousand feet. He runs three thirty one. That's pretty crazy. Um, anyway, <laughs> they converts we'll, to three twenty five. Yeah, you know, but yeah. You know. So, but we'll we'll leave that for the next discussion. But anyway, just to say that uh, Jakob is definitely. I think if Jakob gets beat, we're going to see more of him in the game. He needs. He won't quit until he's on top. And while we do all consider him basically at this point the best, um, Timothy Chariot has something to say about that. You know, Kip Sang has something to say about that. Uh, Stewie McSwain has something to say about that. There's a number of people who are in the mix there. As as if he moves up to the 5,000, where he's still playing in those fields, I'm not sure what he'll do at World Championships. But, you know, Cheptegei, Borrega. I mean, there's a there's four Ethiopians, three of whom, and then three more whose name, four Ethiopians we know and three who we don't know. Um, you know, there was an interesting thread on Let's Run about how many people will break 13, how many Americans will break 13 minutes and when. And it's like, you know, I mean, 13 minutes was, has been broken by like two people, right? Or three people um, only and not very many. And, you know, we've got height. We're about to talk about that in a second. We've got high schoolers, I think, who pretty soon, they won't do it in high school, but who could get there very, very quickly. So anyway, it was a crazy week, last couple of weeks since we last talked to you guys. Sound Running's race was amazing. The races there were amazing. Yeah, the 5,000, we've got to talk about it because it was the star of the show. 
Um, it, it, it hat tip to Jesse Williams. He's gotten a lot of hat tips over the last couple of weeks with what he's doing. He's the race director, the meat director there at Sound Running. He's putting on incredible shows. He's transitioned from his role as the um, administrator and sort of head honcho, not the coach, but the head honcho for the Brooks Beasts. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but he left and now he's doing this thing and he is doing it at the highest levels. He's showing that there's a circus environment that can be done, at least with distance running. I would love to see him get into the jumps, the sprints, the throws, and things like that to see what could happen. It would be yeah. really cool. And to he see actually that. Dipped, dipped his toe this this last weekend because they were, you know, approached to put on a meet on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Distance was on Friday. On a Saturday was was the sprints and jumps. And yeah, it's going to take a couple of years to get that because these sprinters are already sort of spoken for. Many of them went out to that Kipkino yeah. meet. That's where all the great sprinting was happening this past weekend. Um, and a lot of that was because a lot of the sprinters were going to head over to Doha anyway. So why not? jump in and there was money to, to be made there it was really cool that that Kip Kino meet was a really epic meet it was a really good meet <laughs> of track and field when we talk about meets but for us distance fans we were all had our eyes on that men's 5,000 meters and what was going on there and dude we shouted out to Abdi Noor already we are huge fans of this young American um he is he is I just don't know how he doesn't make a our, our world championship team he might not but he what he did in this race was there was something he did in this race that was really impressive. That 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 race was pulled through three thousand meters by pacers. The final pacer being Ollie Hoare, who is you know runs for on and you know he's an Australian who's a three thirty maybe anyways he had gone under three thirty three twenty nine three thirty fifteen hundred meter runner who took them through three thousand meters looked like a champ stepped off and Abdi Noor and his teammate Nico Young were right behind the pacer. I mean, this is crazy. You've got the yeah. you've got the Olympic gold the gold medalist in the 1500. You've got a, a the the bronze medalist in the 15 in the same race in the 1500 at the Olympic Games in and um Josh Kerr also in the field. And those two guys are at the front. You know, usually they're used to these kinds of Stanford type races which are just point and shoot with pacers and they all just get in a line. Abdi Noor had none of that. He was like, I'm in this race and I'm not afraid and I'm going to sit on the pacer. And when the pacer stepped off, he took it. He he kept that race going. He led for a thousand meters from 3000 mm. meters to 4000 meters. He led about that time. Mohammed Mohammed kind of came up to the front. Jakob kind of jockeyed for position and, and Abdi kind of moved to the back and set, not back, but he just sat back there a little bit um, trying to conserve some energy, but he was ensuring that that race stayed the way it needed to stay and he's sophomore in college i mean the the balls right like this the, the he's got no fear he's in it he's like i'm fit i'm ready to go i'm not afraid to go with these guys let's see what happens and for him it's not like a like i'm a i'm a i'm a tough guy i'm a badass it's a lot more like i want to run the fastest i can run i want to do the best i can do i want to be the best i can be and here i find myself and he just took it that to me t tomek that to me was just uh Something that might get missed in the in 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 the drama of what occurs, because what happens next is really really amazing. But to me, that was the biggest eye opener of the meet was watching those two guys, the two NAU guys. Ta- I mean, Mike Smith is doing amazing things up there. I mean, he's got great talent, but he's also doing something with great talent. It was just it was just really impressive what Abdi Noor did in that third that fourth K to make sure that race stayed honest and stayed open um and then you know 
then the racing just started from that point. I think it was about 800 meters to go when Jakob kind of moved up to the front. And then Muhammad wouldn't let him, and then Muhammad led for a while. I never heard of this guy, Muhammad yeah. Muhammad from um, Germany. I, I watched his interview after the race, and he was like, yeah, nobody knows who I am because I was under 23. I was on the under 23, the world level. I was fighting to try to find where I was at in the world, in, in German track and field. And, you know, Germany now has like three or four guys who were in that 13-minute to 13-10 range, two or three two or three guys, some of whom I don't even know because I'm not paying. But I, when I saw Mohammed Mohammed running, I was like, watch out for that guy at World Championships. He is... He looks really good. He reminded me of the, he runs a little bit. I mean, he's got different mechanics, but he reminds me a little bit of the Spaniard who was on fire this past year. What was it last year? What was his name? Um, he, he didn't do so well at the 15. Oh, I mean, at, Mo at, Katir? Yeah. Mohamed Mo, Katir? Mohamed Katir. He, he looked, he, he reminds me of this, this guy who's come in, you know, from, um, from, you know, out of nowhere, basic. Yeah, yeah, out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah. And now he just runs 1302 or 1303 or 1304 or whatever he ended up running. And he looked beautiful doing it. And he controlled, you know, the K from the last K, he controlled most of that race and was just allowing, um, allowing, he allowed, he, he tried to beat Jakob for sure. I mean, he definitely kept keeping the gears going, but, um, Anyway, it was just a it was just a fun race to watch. I didn't watch it live. It was a little late for me. I just watched it um, afterwards, and it was just fun, fun, fun. What were your takeaways from that? What What did you What were you most impressed by with that five K? That men's five K. Yeah, pretty much exactly you, you, the way you described it. You know, it's just it's just the, the the depth. You know, there's just so many stories you could you can draw from the race. You know, it's not just 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 the Jakob and. Um, and uh, Abdi, you know, there's Abdi's, like you mentioned, Abdi's uh, teammate, you know, Nico Young, and who runs 13.11, and it's suddenly that's not much relevant because his teammate runs a little faster, you know, and if not for for for, for Abdi Noor, we'll be talking about Nico Young, you know, it's just, and then you go, go farther back, and then it's a Nico Young's junior from high school that runs 13.42 or something. 13.43, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like okay, it's you know, but but then, and then yeah, we 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 were you know you, we can go and and um, and I really like Joe Klecker being back. I like this guy. He's like this this for me. I I, I like cheering for him. He's just a hardworking kind of you know guy, quiet and just puts the work down. And so him running like thirteen or six or something like that, uh, personal best. That's that's a good indicator. He may have a good ten uh, k, you know, in the future. Um, yeah, and, this year and yeah, and let's yeah. let's we do need to say we were just gushing over Abdi Noor, but let's also tell people what happened at the end of that race. He ends up running thirteen oh eight, I think, right? Thirteen oh eight or thirteen oh seven or something like that. Um, but he breaks the forty four year old world record, um, collegiate record held by the incomparable Henry Rono. No one has, <laughs> we've never seen an athlete at the collegiate level like Henry Rona. And we are talking about unbelievable athletes, but he broke his record. I think, I think he ran, Abby Noor ran 1306 and the old record yep. was 1308. He broke it by just a little over a second. Um, a 44 year old collegiate record um, held by who many considered in the window of time um, that world, that record, that collegiate record that he broke when he broke, when he ran it. Um, 
he re- broke the world record. So it was the world record and the collegiate record at the time. Um, and it was part of that unbelievable three-week stretch where Henry Rono broke three world records in rapid succession. And um, it, 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 it is a incomparable world record. And this one happened in, C- in the collegiate season with not a senior or a fifth-year senior, but someone who I think is a sophomore or a junior, I can't remember which one he is. With COVID, with the COVID thing, it's a little bit confusing to tell what actual classification kids are. It'll be that way for a couple of years now, um, trying to figure out who is what year in college. And I think, honestly, what we're seeing right now means it doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, it was – it was, and, and here's the thing. I mean, Nico Young was only two seconds or three seconds behind – that time um now nico young is faster than um the oregon kid uh cooper tier who broke who almost who ran the next the most recently fast 5000 meter time i think of 1313 or 1314 or something like that at the ncaa championships last year in eugene where I mean, last year at Eugene, the times were just incredibly fast. The men's 10,000 was incredibly fast. The men's 5,000 was incredibly fast. So, you know, we're it's it's incredibly, it's really impressive to see what's going on there. And those guys at NAU, they're feeling it. And NAU now has this pipeline of these kids from Newberry Park. Because with Nico, (laughs) he's the older brother of, what's his name? Uh, Lex. Lex. And I guess there's another brother who's Aaron, or, yeah, yes, who's who's also there. Who, um, and then you've got Colin Stolman. Colin Solman, is that how you say his name? I think who ran three thirty nine, which is unbelievable in the B heat of the fifteen hundred. Got second in that B heat of the fifteen hundred. Um, I think if you, I think I saw somewhere that with the Newberry Park crew, their top five in cross country has every one of those guys is a right at at or under 14 minutes for 5k this is a high school yeah. team with guys who are in multiple guys under 343 or 345 for 1500 um which um with the translation is sub four minute miler so you've got three or four guys who are in the sub four minute mile range these are all on one team out of um newberry park in california and it's it's unbelievable what's happening there, and I think what's going on there. We've talked about it once before, but to me, what's going on there basically is first is really important to say is you've got a really good coach who's created a really good culture, and I think that's something that a lot of people just need to realize. Each of these athletes would not be anywhere near the capability that they are, regardless of their natural talent, if there's not a place for them to go where they can be nurtured and, and, and encouraged and then where they can see each other doing the kinds of things that each other are doing. And then the the vibe and the energy gets lifted and lifted and the coach gets out of the way. Um, the coach just gives the work and he does, you don't see lots of interviews with him. He's not the object of attention. He puts the attention right back on his athletes and says, Hey, all I did was create a culture. And I think that's the key thing that happens. I mean, they're in Southern California, so they have unbelievable weather. They've got really good conditions. They've got lots of great training opportunities and they've got good vibes. Those are things are all going on. Um, the kind of training they're doing, I don't know exactly, but what, from what I can tell, it's elite level training, just, adapted to college high school kids and giving them time to progress they do have relatively high mileage i think i heard them running somewhere in the 60 to 80 miles a week range which is pretty high mileage for high school kids um 
but they're, they, they also toggle their volume up and down depending on where they're at seasonality. So you've got really sound training. So that's the first piece. The second piece is you have, in my opinion, the second most important thing is the, what's going on in track and field right now. As you have mentioned now a couple times, there's a social media, there's a tension coming on these athletes at a level that hasn't been possible before. They're free to be their authentic selves. Uh, you see a lot of this happening at the pro level, at the collegiate level, and at the high school level, where there's opportunities for them to be who they are authentically. And that creates this sense that they're elite athletes. That elite athlete attitude just raises the boats of the entire culture. You've got the things going on with, you know, what Tinman Elite was doing there for a while. Now you've got on the on group, which, you know, as you said, Joe Klecker, what's going, I mean, Dathan Ritzenhain has a train rolling. Watch out over the next couple of years. That thing is, that train is rolling and it's going to keep rolling and you're going to see Bowerman is incredibly good, but I also think you're going to be seeing some pretty amazing things coming out of this group. You're also going to think things coming out of Joe Bossard's group as as that group keeps cl clicking. We just have this culture, the, all the boats, the water's rising, so all the boats are rising and somebody was talking about the shoes. I'm like, don't, don't fucking focus on the shoes. Maybe they're two seconds, three seconds for a 5,000... All right, I'll give you five if you want five, but that does not give, that does not show what's actually going on and what we're seeing, especially in American distance running. And from what I understand, Colin Stolman is not wearing the super shoes. He's wearing regular old everyday shoes. So you've got the as, fastest. As, as yeah. yeah the fastest. As far as we know, it's it's right here. You say, I have a shoe, super shoes. So someone tells you, hey, you have a super shoes. You this don't have excuse. Culture. Yes, this is the culture. That's what and I'm saying. The water the water gets higher and the boats yeah. rise and everybody comes up with that. That That's the second most important piece, right? First, you got to create the space, the container. Then the container has to get filled. And then each of those boats is, is special. They're all special. But that specialness is that there's a there's this what's always been going on in our sport t our sport is it's a scary starting line it's a scary starting line do you think those boys sphincters are not puckered up when they're standing on that starting line thinking about what's going to be going on and how they're going to race and yet they're showing up they're not they're not shrieking by they're not going to the walls and saying oh i don't know i can't dance in this dance i'm not a good dancer they're like no man these are the best dance partners are out there let's just go after it and it's got that vibe that you feel in the sprint world where the sprint vibe is positive and and generative and yeah they talk smack but a lot of that is cultural right i mean that's that happens in african-american culture of guys talking smack and talking and then it happens with the guys and the girls and everywhere around it right in distance running culture it's not that much but instead of talking smack what you see is people saying let's show let's show out let's go to the well and see what happens and it seems like there's great energy going on around sure there's competitiveness there's call i mean there's different groups there's different tribes there's different gangs of people doing what they're doing but it you can just feel that something inexorably is shifting in the world of distance running and if we can if we get people like jesse williams who can put that genie in a bottle and figure out a way to sell it we, you and i've been talking about this since we started this episode so we started this um this series back up again we've just been repeating over and over again 
The sport is ready for catalysts. It's ready for the catalyst. All the basic things are there. We've got incredible talent. We've got talent people can respond to. It's cross-cultural. People can get as excited for Ilya Kipchoge or Joshua Cheptegei as they can get excited for a Mohammed Mohammed or a Joe Klecker or a Jakob Ingebrigtsen or these kids coming out of Newberry Park. Or And we're just talking about the guy's side of it, right? To say nothing of, who do I want to win? Faith Kipyagon? Do I want... Do I want Laura Muir to win? Do I want Shelby Houlihan to even be in there? You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shy away from her. I mean, my view is, yeah, I want to see them all in that race, and I think they all want to be there. And we haven't even talked about Sifan Hassan, who's <laughs> quiet right now, very, very quiet. Nobody's hearing, hearing from her. And you know, it's like we've got this. We the stars are out and they're shining brightly. We've got great performers. We need stages. Where's the and thanks. Thank you, Jesse Williams, for creating a stage. And hopefully he made some money off of that. I threw six bucks to him. I'm like, hell yeah. Even if I don't watch it, I want you to have my $6. Keep doing this so we can keep watching yeah. it, right? It would be, it's such, it's such a cool thing. And that's what I think is happening. I mean, yes, one container, two, the water, number three, individual boats. Those are crucial pieces of a puzzle. And maybe there's other things, right? What's guiding it, what's directing it, what's happening with all that. I don't know. Um, that, that might be stretching the metaphor a little bit too far. But to me, it seems like these are ways for people to wrap their heads around what's happening in track and field these days of why we're seeing this kind of performance. This kind of thing has been happening in the throw world, in the jump world, in the sprint world for a long time. But it hasn't happened in the track and field world since, I would argue, Steve Prefontaine. Really, it hasn't happened, at least in the United States for sure. Everybody's been waiting for the new pre. There's no one pre. It's everybody's pre. Everybody's there, and we don't need a pre anymore. We just need people who love it to keep spending the money, putting our attention in the places that it matters, and that means putting our attention and our money in the places that are going to be supporting this. So please, if you are a fan of track and field, watch these races. Pay the entry to gain entry to it because we want those things to be visible, viable, and we want those big media companies to begin to see Hey, we have we have something worth watching, and we have something that people can they can clip that. I mean, I don't know if you I didn't get on. I don't I don't do the normal TV stuff anymore. I'm not on ESPN, but I can only imagine that that Kentucky Derby race was all over ESPN News and and Sports Center and all that other stuff, right? So we can package the last 150 meters what we saw with Jakob in that race show a few clips of Abdi Noor holding the pace, I mean, pushing that pace, then what, make a statement about what Muhammad Mohammed's doing, and then sh and then tch, tch, the punchline comes in with Jakob just accelerating away from other people, and there's not a soul sitting in any bar, male, female, or elephant, that won't watch that and go, <laughs> ooh, that was cool, wow, did you see that? That was amazing, right? Just like we get excited about Steph Curry's final last minute Hail Mary shot that wins the championship or wins goes to the next round. We've we've got the stars. They're aligning. They're running fast. We've got a pretty clean sport. I don't think people look at it as super dirty as much as they did before. Um, and, and hopefully, we can find ways to to galvanize that. Okay, I'm stepping off the soapbox now. I'm just <laughs> off on a rail there. 
<laughs> no, that's so good because, you know, yeah, the, the excitement, you can hear it. Yeah, from you. And I, I feel exactly the same. I'm just nodding and nodding. And, and yeah, it's and it's it's like you said, the water is rising. And I've seen it's not just here, the the Newberry Park kids, you know, uh, the European system is 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 a little bit different than, than um, US. There's no it's more like a club system. But, you know, you can hear Norwegians so Danish young kids, you know, 15 year olds. They breaking Jakob Inge Britsen's record, right? you know, so it's like everyone is excited and and one more thing about jesse you know and the sound running is um i heard an interview with him and he so what the idea is to have those five or so meets set so teams like bowerman can plan ahead because they like to plan ahead right so they know in in march or will be 10k or in april it's gonna be the 5k and this and that and I don't know if you know, but he's bringing cross country and it's going to be in Austin. Um, oh, he wants really? to put the cross country with the running event, the conference that is in the late yeah. November, early December. So Austin will have a cross country meet and he's hoping all the pros are coming because next spring we will have um, world championships in cross country again. So we may we may have a fun, fun um, late fall here yeah, in Austin so to cool. to to. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Um, yeah, it's just it's just exciting. It's exciting times. Um, you know, another thing about that I meet, we didn't talk about the women's races, but one of the th races that was also really great was that women's eight hundred. That women's <laughs> eight hundred was really really exciting. Um, Allie Wilson is that her name? I think Allie. Yeah, yeah Allie yeah. Wilson led. She she did not let. She did not want to relinquish the lead in that race at any point in time. And I don't know if you saw it, but it's pretty exciting that last two strides are her her she's rigging up a little bit she's holding the all of the field off and she ran in a beautiful and amazing race she was also given a she she won a two sec two second pr to go 158 one i think is what she ended up running her her the tip of her track spike caught the track as she was starting to really stretch to try to get that finish and she went down hard her name her her name on social media is <laughs> ali oop and all i could think of was ali oops when she went down but it was like it was a pretty hard fall but man to get almost a two second pr the way that she did and the way that she ran that was so impressive and then you know behind her were the the um two of the atlanta track club girls who were both i think in that 600 meter race at at pin relays that we were talking about that um turned out to be just another, you know, just another showcase for the greater thing, Mo, who, um, try as she might, Ajay Wilson could not do anything to a thing, Mo. And the thing, Mo, at the 600-meter distance was just unstoppable, and she just ran away from everybody. But behind them was a whole lot of really impressive running. And, you know, what they got going on at Atlanta Track Club in the middle distance is really, really good, especially on the women's side. I mean, the men's side, too. I think you'll see two or three of those guys yep. in the finals at the World at the, at the the U.S. Championships. But on the women's side, Atlanta Track Club is coming hard and strong, and they're, they're doing really, really, really great work. I was going to say there's there's exactly we were talking about on and and bowerman but but there is atlanta track club and this is not just the track club remember they were they, they put on the olympic trials in the marathon mm -hmm. which 
I believe it's a rich canna the ex US 800 meter um superstar um is 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 the guy that leads thing and and it's it's becoming more and more impressive the the hard work they putting and consistency and they just raising and rising rising and you know <laughs> recent uh, I was listening to let's run listen podcast and rojo rojo um robert johnson was was saying like I want rich canna to candidate to be US TF president oh, yeah. because he knows things how to do things you know yes. and so he was only concerned that rich canna may not want to move to indianapolis but uh, i i thought so too i was like wow yeah that's so right you know we need people something like that yeah i mean we don't you know i i think that there are yes we do but i also think here's the thing about the one thing i want to say about that is i'm all down for that scenario okay i'm 100 for it Rich Kenna is outside is an outsider in the internal politics. He's been around it for long enough to know the politics. He knows how to play it. But I don't think that that's what we need. I think we need a much broader base of support through USATF through finances and to recognize the power behind distance running and all of the sport, but for distance running to get a voice we need to demand that every race be a USATF sponsored event. So every race that somebody runs, they have to pay $5 or $10, or they can pay $15 and be a member all year, right? And then we put money into our sport. And I know that there's a lot of hesitancy toward doing that, but man, we need to find a way to make something like that happen. Even if it's a one year or two year intermediary plan where people can see that their support is actually getting them something, giving them a giveaway or doing some other thing that would allow it to happen. But we've got a broad base of support through the young people, through the distance runners, through, you know, a wide sea of people that, and, and, you know, cross country is the most competed in sport in the U S the most competitive sport in the U S. So I don't know. I don't know why we're not. I think that, yes, it can be very helpful to have a CEO or somebody in a position above that can control and help guide things. But more importantly to me is where are the people? Because anything that's going to grow at the highest level, it needs a sea of people. And we all need to support that and find a way. Now, I don't have any reason to support USATF right now because I'm not running some of those races or doing those things. But I have always recognized the value of that. And if I were competing, I would say, hey, yeah, take $10 or $5 of my entry fee and make sure that it goes to um, support of our sport. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, it's like with everything, you know, it seems like overwhelmingly big and, and complex, but, you know, we have to start somewhere, right? Like little step, little ideas and looks like... Uh, from the little things we may not see the whole picture yet but maybe soon everything will just start kind of shaping you know and and you know the thing is all i hear a lot is the complaining about us usatf it's almost like we we're setting this mind like oh yeah it's bad it's bad it's bad so we're almost like creating this bad situation ourselves 
rather than kind of finding something positive, something like you were saying, the power of it. And, uh, you know, and USTF is not just the meat that we, we're seeing, you know, on the television or not seeing, but like you said, all the high school running, all the youth running, everything, right? College running. And it, it's just this huge base, this little bit disorganized, but, but um, it, it could be great, you know? Well, I, I think and we've could got, be, yeah. we've got them, we've got, we're networked now, you know, and yeah. a lot of that was going on before. We didn't have the networking um, in the early years of the internet. There wasn't the level of sophistication or getting things up. But now there's, people are living on the internet, not, not exclusively. And I'm, I'm, I am a big aficionado of the internet. I think it's the way that we're going to see the higher evolution of the human species, to be personally honest with you. That's what I think. But yeah. along the way, we've, we, we have had to figure out how to use this incredibly powerful tool. And I think now with social media operating the way it is and people seeing how the attention can generate revenue dollars, it will create other opportunities. I, I am not pro revenue dollars either. You know, honestly, I think that a lot of that stuff would be better if it were given away for free, but that's not the concept that we're in. It's not the place we're in. It's not the world we live in. So, but I do think that now we've got a deeper structure. You know, I was just recently talking to somebody about my frustration with results. And why when you watch, the, when, you, when you're trying to track a race, we were trying to track Eugene um, Marathon the other day. Um, we had athletes running there. And it was incredibly disorganized, very difficult. Some people weren't coming up. And I was like, why isn't there, at this day and age, why isn't there a universal, everyone has a chip number. Your chip number goes with you whatever race that you run. And whenever you run in that race, it all goes to a main database in which that database keeps track of everything that's going on. There's no... Everybody would pay a small fee to be able to have that ready use. And yeah, people are like, oh yeah, you got a chip underneath your arm. You're going to be tracked all the way. You can choose to do it or not do it. But the frustration of seeing a Chicago Marathon who Nike sponsors the Chicago Marathon and their tracking app is the absolute epitome, the pinnacle of tracking. It's unbelievable. You can track where they're at. You can see their splits. You can tell what's going on. You can, you can, you can be really confident that it's robust and pretty accurate. And then Eugene Marathon, which is, should be sponsored by Nike. I'm not sure why it's not. Why don't we have somebody that's looking at doing that? Anyway, that's another side topic, but it's like, I think that there are many, many opportunities for this kind of networking that we're talking about. And I would expect if we don't go into an utter and complete collapse that within the next four to five years, we're going to start seeing much, much more consolidation of the information to be able to get the information to where it needs to go. When that happens, administration can come in and start to guide things in the directions it needs to go. Yeah, we need to be worried about certain people with their pet projects and their special need and special interest groups and everything else. But you know what? Once you've got it networked, people will not put up with that shit. They will not put up with it. You and I won't put up with it. The Let's Run crowd won't put up with it. The elite athletes won't put up with it. The high school kids and coaches won't put up with it. Eventually, they'll be like, stop the madness. Let's, we want to watch these races. We want it to be like what we saw at the right. Kentucky Derby, where every single race that happens at the 3A state championship meet can be watched across the world by almost everybody. So we can, I mean, why can't we do that? Why not? Why can't everybody be a star? I mean, I know that's next level and way outside the scope, but you know, the point here being just keep voting with your eyeballs and spend money where your eyeballs go and don't be afraid of it. And the sport will continue to grow. Don't be, I cannot, don't bitch about it being behind a paywall. That's how we, eventually get no paywalls 
right? I mean, what are we, two years, three years away from Wi-Fi being nearly free in almost any city that you go to where you can just access Wi-Fi or at least a, a, a network? So, you know, eventually we're going to be in a place where the democratization of that will happen. Sure, somebody's going to make their money, but that's going to happen. No, exactly, and and yeah, it's changing quite a bit. And, you know, yeah, I I was I was bitter bitter at the begin at some point in my life about you know flow truck paywall because it's just like why is it so expensive you know and then like why can't I just buy the one pass you know for one meet that I want to watch but then I realized you know after the meet on day after they, they started posting uh, videos on YouTube you know pretty much all races like pen relays you know there was a lot I watched that way and and was uh, I was like, wow, oh, thank you, Flowtrack, for, I know they're getting paid, you know, for, from YouTube as well. So, I mean, that's the one way, you know, I'm okay watching three ads so you can get paid, you know, yep. it's like, that's fine. Yep. I can, you know, make a coffee at the time. You don't have to really watch it, yeah? But but it's it's being available like that. It's It's just you can say people started kind of changing mind like okay maybe maybe flow track is not so evil you know but um, it's all about money but yeah little by little it, it for sure it's going to be changing all right so we got two more things we got to talk about we got to talk about the u.s champs u.s half champs um, oh yeah emily sisson breaks the american record at the u.s half champs i went back recently last before our last meeting i went back and watched the u.s championships when she won the 10,000 meters and ran away oh, from yeah. everybody in 90 to 92 or 95 degree temperatures. And I was just, again, so impressed with her. Um, she's, and to see her get the US, you get the, get the half champs, you know, she's everyone, everyone's talking about Molly Seidel, but I do believe relatively quickly, they'll be talking about Emily Sisson. Um, yeah. She's just waiting and biding her time. She doesn't seem to be in any hurry. Um, her coach, is a wily veteran at this kind of stuff. He understands what he did with Molly Huddle, took time and energy and a long, a long vision for how to get to where you need to get to. That's Ray Tracy. He's the coach at Providence, but he also is the coach for a couple of these elite athletes. I think that Mario Hall has gone to that group as well. But um, I do think it was really great to see Emily Sisson. I mean, that performance is incredibly impressive. She is just on fire. That's another person to be. We didn't talk about her in our preview last last time we talked, but she's somebody who that race result was, again, was like, Emily Sisson didn't have a good Olympic Games. It did not go very well for her, but but she has been on fire. And she's, that per she's one of those people who takes her breaks, takes her downtime, recalibrates, gets back into her base phase, gets herself ready to get going again, and then just starts systematically destroying fields race by race by race. And she's not afraid to run from the front. She's super courageous. She's super tough. I wish we had been able to see her a little bit better at the U.S. championships. But when you talk about, like we were talking um, last time about the Bowerman girls and how strong they're looking and how great they're looking, they're not running through Emily Sisson. Right, I mean, you, you, the, Emily Sisson's going to be there in the mix of that race, in that race, you know. So, I I do think that we're going to be seeing um, really amazing fireworks in the women's five and ten thousand meters, especially the women's ten thousand meters this year at the at 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 the U.S. trials for the World Championships, and then also hopefully they'll be making inroads on the women's side, like we were talking about on the men's side. Of course, the women's races are a little different in that they, when they're not paced, there's still somebody up front who's 
a minute or 30 seconds faster than everybody else. But the presence of Hassan, of, of Sifan Hassan sort of changes things a little bit in how that plays, what races she decides to run at the world level. But anyway, hat tip to the amazing Emily Sisson and as someone to keep an eye on. She crushed that world rec- that American record of Mo- her, her training teammate, Molly Huddle, who I think, did she have her baby? I don't know if she had her baby or she's pregnant, but... She did. Mm-hmm. But that's really exciting to see. No, 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 that her. was Sarah, Sarah Hall's record. Sarah oh, Hall's, Sarah Hall's remember. record, right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Took it in Houston, but... Yeah, exactly. It was unfortunate, you know, because she has like a super, super, uh, super strong debut... Um, in London, um, Emily did in the marathon, and then and then her next marathon was Olympic trials, which you know didn't go as planned. And then so she needed to change everything and started preparing for track because she really wanted the Olympics. And then she was scheduled to race New York City last fall, but then she had a COVID and couldn't recover on on time. And so really, I think she's due. I know she's she's looking for fast 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 racing in in the fall and. You know, and I'm not sure about the track because she, she, in her interview, she said she 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 talked to her agent and said, "Please put me as as many road races as there are this this season, you know, this summer." So I'm I'm I'm, I'm guessing she will still hop into the 10k because why not to have another you know uh, go with the, with the especially fast Bowerman women and if she's she's they all fit, they're probably gonna be going sub 30, you know. Um, depends on the weather, of course. Yeah, and also there's always huge contractual benefits to running exactly. in the U.S. champs and then winning the U.S. champs. So I'm assuming that there would be a five to ten thousand, if not greater, bonus yeah. for being in a race that she's. We know what she's going to do anyway. There's no question <laughs> what's going to happen. They'll all sit around for three to five thousand meters. Somebody will try to push or not push. If they don't go fast enough, she'll go to the front and she'll tow the field through. And the question is, can the Bowerman girls stay with her when that happens and no one could stay with her in 90 degree temperatures. And remember Emily's from Nebraska and she, I think she's from Nebraska or Wisconsin or something. And then she trains in Providence, Rhode she, Island, right? No, 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 no. She's in Phoenix most of the time. Oh, well, so she, well then she is dealing with heat. So she does have yeah, good yeah. heat related things. So, yeah. but that, I mean, that, that race was just incredibly impressive with how fast she ran and how hard that those conditions were. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's going to take a lot to beat Emily Sisson in on the track. Um, and I don't, you know, again, maybe she won't, I would, I would love, I didn't know that she was doing more road racing than she was doing track running, but um, those two opportunities just, I hope we see her because we've got, again, I just want, people don't follow road racing the way they follow the track. I mean, they do, right. but they don't follow all the road races. They haven't reached that level. It just, you know, the, the key big races over the summer are ones that are U.S. championships and she can win. You know, there's a points record for that. Who gets the most points at the end of the year gets road racer of the year and they get a bonus for it. And there's benefits to that. I think that's still going on. I don't know if it is post COVID, but I mean, I just think we would love to see her at the starting line of the U.S. champs and at the starting line of the world champs, assuming she makes the team. Yeah, and then you know the the US. I was just been thinking the US 10K especially. It's like 31 minutes. It just doesn't you know. It's just like so many women run 31 minutes. We ever even uh, Sarah Lancaster, which people may not even be aware who she is, but she is you know our local local kind of female hero here. You know. Um, 
you you probably heard the story because she was highlighted in the last Olympic trials track. Um, Steve probably can can speak about her more. But you know she she is running world standards in 10k and 5k. She just did in sound running meets, and you know there are so many women like her that just coming uh, just kind of under radar because it's just 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 and running so fast. It's just it's so good to see. Yeah, I mean, we, last year we saw it with like Rachel Snyder, these women moving from the 1500 meters up to the five and then not being afraid to move it to the 10 because a lot of the same skill sets are there and they're moving up and they get good sound coaching and their mindset, if their mindset can get to that stretch, they can stretch and extend that distance a little bit, they can stay around long enough. Of course, we won't see Rachel this year, unfortunately. She's pregnant. She's um, married to Mike Smith, the coach. At no, no, she had a miscarriage. Oh, no, that's terrible. Yeah, well, that was on, she announced a week or so ago. Oh, that's sad. Well, yeah. my heart goes out to her and to yeah. Mike for that. That's very, very sad. But anyway, that's um, maybe we, we do have so many young women who are running at such a high level and men who are running at a high level. We just talked about that the last time. I mean, Nico Young, Abdi Noor, uh, those two guys aren't going to get a free pass all the way through to the U.S. I mean, they got to go through the NCAA <laughs> regional meet, which won't be a big deal for them. Then they've got to go. Then they've got to get through the oh, yeah. NCAA championships. Then they got to go to the. You know, I mean, it, it's pretty. It's it's pretty tough road to hoe, depending upon what events. Although I did hear that, um, interestingly enough. That um, we won't see um, Yared Nagus, one of our favorite guys to talk about. Oh, yeah. He got a little hand. I was wondering what happened in his sound running 1500 because he was there with 200 meters to go and he looked so good. I don't know if he watched it, but the 400 to go is like, Nagus is winning this thing no matter what. These guys are playing tiddly. They were jacking around in that race. Men's 1500 meter races. I love to watch them because you don't know what's going to happen, but it can be very frustrating when you want to see them run fast. I mean, they still ran 337 or 338, I think, but. It could have run so much faster with what was they were just messing around at the early and the pacer took them through the way they needed to go through and then then they didn't go with him, right? Anyway, Yaren yeah. Nagus looked amazing with four hundred meters to go. I mean, he's so smooth. Um and then he was nowhere. When the kick came down, it was nowhere. And then I read later he got a little hamstring nick, his time that he ran it at sound running because it was outside of an NCAA event for some reason, it will not allow him to qualify for the regional meet. So we will see Aaron Nagus in the 5,000 this outdoor season um, at his ACC, maybe not at ACC. So probably, but he can't run ACCs or his hamstrings bothering him. His coach doesn't want his, his hamstring to get worse. So watch out. Is this a blessing or a curse? Because it seems to me like Aaron Nagus as incredible as he is at the 15, he sort of lacks that, um, I don't know. He's always seemed to me kind of lack that ferocity, that savageness that it takes in a 1500. But at the 5,000, I mean, Abdi Noor and, and Nico Young are going to have problems with this guy. I mean, to say nothing of the guy, Brian Frey, did you see Brian, Brian Fay the other day kick down um, Beetlescombe from Washington, from Michigan state. They, there was this incredible kick where Beetlescombe went out for this 5,000 went after it. It was at the, Brian Clay meet, I think, and in, in, in a small little meet in the morning and up in the Bay Area. That's usually the meet that's pre the the uh, sort of pre meet for the athletes that can't quite get into the Stanford meet. It used to be, but now it looks like they've gone down to that. Anyway, he, I think he ran like a fifty-two second last quarter mile or something and ran down um, Beetlescombe, who's this. 352 miler from Michigan State. Anyway, I'm probably getting in the weeds here. But we've at the collegiate level in the 5,000, 
even with the two Oregon boys going off in Cooper Tier and um, Cole Hawker, you still have incredible. What do you mean? They not they not college kids. <laughs> That's what I mean. They're not college kids. I mean they've moved oh, they on. Not, but I mean it's like even oh. with those guys having moved on, you oh, know, because yeah, yeah, they yeah, were both yeah. freshmen, right? Oh, yeah, like yeah, like yeah, they move yeah. on, go to the pro game, and in most years they would have been like you know Bob Kennedy ran all four years. He ran five years at the collegiate level yeah. using the collegiate system to get through. These guys are, and you're looking at these kids like this Colin. This Colin kid from uh, Newbury Park. I mean, I, I if I were him, I would go to NAU for a year, get into school, make it a part of contractual obligation to get my education, get your education paid for by your contract, and then train in that area. And Mike Smith works with pros and college athletes. I mean, I don't know, but I, I, I maybe Colin will go somewhere else. Maybe there'll be that'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Does Colin Stolman go pro, or does he go into a collegiate? system you know Hobbs Kessler we're still waiting to see if we see we haven't seen much from him yet this year I mean, it's still early indoor season but um lots of question marks and a lot of really interesting things going on again to me it's like American distance running men's and women's from the 800 through the 10,000 and into the marathon it's just like nothing we've ever seen it's crazy it's wonderful it's a circus and Speaking of circuses, this weekend, what we have looking forward to is, is it on Friday or Saturday? Is it Friday? Uh, Doha? Diamond League? Yeah. It's on Friday. Yeah, yeah, so Doha, the first Diamond League event will be kicking off um, this weekend on Friday. And, you know, two fields to mention there, um, the men's 15 and the women's 3,000. Just going to put a little pin in those two events and just tell people if you're, if you're, if you're not already watching it through nbc or olympic olympic channel or peacock peacock yeah peacock, peacock. Yeah. um then that's cool it'll probably be on it'll probably get up on youtube pretty quickly but don't miss those two events whatever happens because we've got we've got kip sang as we were just talking about who ran incredibly well at the kano classic ran 331 at 5,000 feet and timothy chariots in that race who else is in that race um kajelcha kajelka Although I don't yeah. really worry about him at the fifteen, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, I mean, you could, Jelka could win Doha, then he won't even, but he won't be in the mix when it comes when it counts, you know, later on. But I'm sure there'll be another couple of Ethi other couple of Ethiopians that will be up in the mix there. Um, who knows? But th that's one. That's the race I want to see because Timothy Chariot got his ass handed to him at his at his at the Kenyan champs or at least at the Kenyan. Um, services meet i watched that race i don't know if you saw that video but it was very nearly impossible to watch and whoever was cheering for him was so it was a female who was extremely vocal and yelling go timothy and you couldn't really see what was going on but cherry had either let them go or couldn't go with them it was hard to tell according uh, to canova on the message boards he let them go because it's just for the for the army qualification right. and he doesn't bother yeah so we'll see he just needs to as a soldier to participate but he doesn't really well we'll find out this weekend because we're going to see yeah. him at doha yeah. and we know that we do know that Jakob is not going to be there Jakob's going to wait until um pre you won't see him pre. again until pre-meet and we might see timothy probably we'll see chariot because that bowerman mile is the hot hot mile to be in and we might see colin in that mile we might see who knows who we'll see with the way that abdi noor just ran and lex and um and Nico Young just ran. We might see them in that event. Who knows how that will all play out? My guess is though yeah. that the NAU guys are going to start backing out of that, out of that cycle and be in a position. Although I don't know too many people that would get an invite to Bowerman Mile and not race it. But we'll see. Right. 
Well, I'm excited to see Donovan Brazier in 800 meters. You yeah. know, that's that's exciting because you know, uh, we know he's 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 good. He's as far as the injury because he ran those 400 meters, you know, indoor, and and that's probably bigger abuse than uh, than running 800 meter outdoor. So hopefully that that's uh, I'm always fun watching him. And you know, there's a, a 200 meters Olympic champions, Nolan Lyles, and we know. Kieran Knighton that we haven't talked yet <laughs> another uh, junior I don't know 18 year old or something yes. still in high school by the way yes. <laughs> runs like third fastest in ever <laughs> in 200 meters so you know it's just crazy yeah it's unbelievable and I don't know it seems to me that it's a you know it's a uh it, that that two that that race is going to be unbelievable. And Kieran Knightley um, just ran what is it nineteen six or something like that? Nine, I don't remember exactly what the time was, but he ran unbelievably fast. Nineteen forty nine. Nineteen forty nine. Yes, um, I'm excited about watching this women's three thousand. Um, I <laughs> we you know it. Nian Saba, who a lot of people, oh, yes. Nian Saba, a lot of people want to give her grief. She's the quiet one. I mean, Castor Semenya is not a loud person. She, she was just the cause to celebrate about this gender, um, her the gender thing, which Nian Saba is also in that same category. She was world-class 800-meter runner um, who now has moved up to the 5 and the 10 and is taking it much, seemingly much more seriously. And I think she's also built for it a little bit more than... Um, than than Castor is, and so she'll be, uh, you know, she'll be in a really good spot, and she's going to be super. <laughs> so she's also going to be um, really hungry this season. Um, so I imagine at Doha, she's going to be incredibly hard to beat because she got DQ'd in the five k at at the Olympic Games in a completely bullshit call that was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, we you know we weren't rolling at that point, but I'm sure I would have spent 20 minutes talking about how ridiculous it is and what they're trying to how how many ways we can mess with. Those poor... Anyway, <laughs> Francine is following all the rules and all the obligations that have been thrown at her. She broke world right. record at the 2K, I think. She ran really, really fast there. She is going to be really good in this 3,000. And she, who's she running against? Faith Kepyagon, the Olympic double, Olympic 15... You know, the Olympic 1,500-meter runner for the last two years who won the... She's going to be in that race. It's going to be unbelievable. I mean, people are saying... Faith Kepyagon is the greatest female miler in history, which is a very big statement. Also, the steeple world record holder, Beatrice Chepkowicz, who's just nasty on the flat. She's, she's, she was a world-class 1,500-meter runner before she moved up, right? So anyway, yeah. I'm excited about that event as well. That There's a thing about the women's, about the 3,000 meters, and especially the women's 3,000 meters, I've watched it at the high school girl level, at the college level. We don't get to see it beyond the college level because that event has moved out. But the 3K is this, especially the way the women run it. You know, when men run it, they sort of sometimes turn it into a 1500 and it gets a little washed out. And it's not as exciting as what you see with the women's three. But in the women's three, you've got the perfect match of the 5K strength people and the 1500 wheel people and how they come together in an event and the 5Kers can stretch the 1500 meter runners out and the, but the 1500 meter runners still have a little bit of that fire left in their legs and they're able to turn it on and the women run it like it's a grudge match like it's an MMA battle they are not they get after each other in a real in, in really do get after each other so um that 
that I'm also excited about seeing. So, you know, really, you got the men's 15, the women's 3,000. As you mentioned, Donovan Brazier in the in the 800. But for sure, I mean, I think the race to watch for everybody, regardless of what you're watching, is what the heck's going to happen in this 200-meter sprint with the old, the old guard. Here we are falling... Fred Curley and Noah Lyles, um, an old guard, right? And you got the new guard with, with um, Kirion, and he, it's going to be really, really incredible to see what happens there. And we're going to get to see this over and over again, just repeating this. Track and field across the board is on fire. Um, now, last week, last time we talked, we were talking, we were giving, singing praises to um, Shikari Richardson, who unfortunately now seems to be, we're not sure what's going on with her. She's not showing up to the big vents, so we'll see. I don't know if you've heard anything recently, but she didn't show up to that Kipkano meet, which she was supposed to be at, which was supposed to be on fire, and she wasn't there. So maybe, will she be in Doha? I don't really know, but inquiring minds want to know, where is Shikari Richardson? Because we love her. We want to see her. So there's uh, there's uh, this, this morning... Um uh, thread on a on a let's run pop, popped out it's 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 a link to the interview with uh, justin gatlin who is being interviewed but some other ex-pro ex-pro football players but they talk about there there's a topic on shikari and and um, justin gatlin apparently is in kind of those circles because she 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 has the same coaches he did and uh, agent and um he he's he says that she is super fast that they've been hand timing you know 10.3 10.4 but of course it's a hand timing and this and that and you know she was in a bad space she's in a better space and you know they were talking about and the and the, and the um, uh, moderator says like but we know 80 percent is mental 20 percent is physical and she has been not it's like yeah yeah you know she was in a bad space she's getting in a better space and of course all the comments on the let's run forum were like until we see it we don't believe it. So yeah, let's run for uh, <laughs> frustrated white boys in middle America who spend way too much time on forums. Like but I was glad me, like you uh, and me, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was glad to hear that she is uh, she's getting ready for the season yeah, when exciting. she's going to open. We don't know. Maybe Prefontaine Classic, right? Yeah. Well, we're fans. So bring it, Shikari. Yes. We want to see you. Yes. We want to see you roll. Yes. So I think we can wrap it here. Is there anything else you wanted to cover um, in this in this episode? Um, no, that, I think that was great. Um, like we, we started, you know, saying it's so much to cover and we really um, want to just more talk um, about what's going on, you know, not, because it's impossible to bring all the details. But you guys, you guys get the idea um, that we have always fans and if, if something stands out, we will bring it out. And, and yeah, let us know about anything, you know, we may probably make some mistakes. You can always leave a comment and, and send a send a message. Yeah, we would love to hear from you guys. Um, we're doing this, like we said, because we love it and we'd be doing it anyway. Because that's what we were doing when we were going on hikes on the green belt. We were talking about this stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, but we do love doing it. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. And, you know, our main objective here is just to bring that attention, um, which for me is just another form of love. Where your eyes go, your heart goes. And where your heart goes, um, amazing things happen. And, you know, right now we're, we give a lot of grief to the social medias and the webs and all the ways that we get our attention diverted. But all it takes is a little bit of love and... Um, 
things go differently. And one thing's for sure, with T&I, you get a lot of love. Hopefully you appreciate it. Um, take care, guys. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, week, two weeks. I'm not sure when we'll get back around to this. Depends on what kind of excitement happens. Again, if you need anything, um, reach out to us. You can always leave the stuff in the places, but we don't really care about how many people are finding us. Really what we want you to do is come talk to us, communicate with us, jump in with us if this is stuff you like to get excited about. Um, I don't know. Do you do you post on the Let's Run forum ever? Do you have a, a registered handle over there or are you or are you or are you just a lurker and a creeper or do you are you actually active there? I do have a I do have a handle and uh, I mean the uh, register user but uh, I do post but I when I post I'll never look back that's my thing you know mm. I don't I don't get involved in the discussions and I don't want to know what what people commented on my comment and so once I'm ready to leave the the thread I don't really dwell. I, I see the thread unless, you know, um, there are some interesting stuff. And of course, there's there's a lot of a lot of, you know, not so good stuff. People just, I don't know, not 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 being nice often. But to, but I, I appreciate it, you know, because um, they're doing a good job. It's a good space. Yeah, I just created a, um, a registered handle. Um, so maybe people will be able to find me over there at some point in time. I don't know. I go there and I creep a little bit, but you're right. The toxic, the level of toxicity that has occurred on that forum over the many years I've been watching it keeps me off of it. But it seems like they've got a new sort of a new forum with a new format and they're, and they're really, um, incentivizing those who do get registered. So like recently they just did a Weijo, um, which is Weldon Johnson, one of the co-creators of the site, one of the co-founders of it. He, um, he posted like make your prediction and the prediction thread now is a thread and and you have to be a registered user in order to make your prediction and then they'll give some award for the prediction so that 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 motivated me to and i'm going to make a prediction right so because i was like and so i created a handle if people want to know it's not going to be really crazy it's run gnosis that's what i that's what i went under i don't know if i'll ever post but you know me t sometimes i've got something i just gotta i just gotta sound exactly. off of sound off about so maybe we'll be over there maybe not we'll see what happens but anyway I, we do love those guys at let's run we've been saying that ever since we started we get a lot of our content from there back when we were doing when i was doing the running rogue podcast we also gave love to those guys um my view about that stuff there's no competition we're doing different things they've got different vibe they got different energy if anybody jonathan galt is the guy I more resonate with in that crew over there even though the the johnson's brothers are contemporaries of mine in fact weldon ran at the university of texas for a couple of years um uh, robert went up to cornell and ran, ran at cornell but they're both dallas boys and know those guys I don't know Robert at all. I know Weldon just a little bit. Um, they're, they have a great service. And again, that's another source. If you're ever going to drop cash somewhere, you know, if you're going to, if you feel the need to be supportive of the sport, that's a great place to support. I don't know where that money goes. Those two guys, from what I understand, they're doing all right. The, the site is doing all right and they're doing all right. But it, it's more about the attention, as we were saying. If you put your eyes on it, if you put your attention in that space, it raises the boat, the water in the in the in the ocean. That means every boat, every kid, every little kid that's going to be in that space is going to be able to get a better, more incentive to do what they're doing, more excitement to do what they're doing. And yeah, there's a level of toxicity and a level of challenge with that. But hey, man, I'm just the guy who sees the glass half full, not the glass half empty. So yeah. what good does it do it to say, oh, what all the problems are? It's like, you know, it's like, like Kristen likes to say about conspiracy theories, right? 
okay, I hear your conspiracy theory, but what are you going to do? And so that's when I say here, it's like, okay, you can say that there's all these terrible things going on on the internet, but what are you going to do? Are you going to ignore it or are you going to participate? And if you participate, participate in a loving, positive, generative way and it will change. But it will not change just by sitting in your catbird seat, complaining and whining about it while you're scrolling through Let's Run in your bed before you go to sleep at night or when, when you wake up when you're sitting on the pot taking a dump and you're like, these, these people are terrible. Are they really? Like we are, they are <laughs> us and we are them. So use your voice yeah. and use your attention wisely and use it in a place that can be generative and and can help people. So anyway, God, I've been on soapboxes today, haven't I, T? <laughs> good, good, yeah. All right, That's everybody. What we, want. we appreciate you, and um, we'll talk to you relatively soon. And um, in the meantime, Godspeed, enjoy yourselves, and looking forward to Doha. Take care, people.